Welcome to Recruiting is No Joke, a live stream and podcast dedicated to the recruitment industry. I'm your host, Joel Algy. Each week, I sit down with leaders in the people space to hear their story, what's going on in the market, and what they see for the future. Remember, this is a live show, so if you're tuning in right now, please say hi and ask questions. If you're listening to the recording, welcome, and I hope that you can join a future live session. Special shout out to Brighthire and Teal for sponsoring the show. More on that later. But for now, sit back and enjoy the most unpredictable show in TA. Well, there we go. There's a new introduction uh, that I put together. A little bit better than that countdown that LinkedIn gets for us. So uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to Recruitment is No Joke. Great to be here. Hi, Isaac, Armandina. We've got Sandra out there as well. Great to see all of you. Super excited today. Uh, number one, we've got a great guest, which is always the goal of the show. And then number two, we have a new sponsor as well. So really excited for this. We have obviously Bright Hire. So thanks to Bright Hire for sponsoring us. You sponsored us now for the last I think four months. So it's great to have that partnership. And Teal as well is new. Um, so if you are a job seeker and you're looking for a job, I highly advise go check out Teal. They've got some great AI technology that can help you with putting together different resumes for different jobs. They also have an awesome job tracker that's free. So go check them out. And if you want to find them easily, you can just go to the link on my profile, go to the link tree and find them. So without further ado, Barbie, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. It's awesome. Uh, awesome for us to check. I know we've been connected forever, but I know. Uh, why don't you just give a quick intro and tell us who you are for anyone who doesn't know you, which is probably no one because you got a ton of followers on LinkedIn. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but hello and thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. And yes, I've, I've uh, loved being connected with you on LinkedIn and your content uh, is always one always entertaining um yes. so packed full of, of value for for folks so i'm so grateful to be here um for those of you who don't know me my name is barbie winterbottom and that <laughs> i always say this that is legally my name it's not <laughs> i didn't make it up um and i'm not a drag queen which a lot of people think i am with that <laughs> name, but i am not i sometimes i wish i were because i think it would be so much fun and they're gorgeous and amazing talented people but it's just me. So um, I, I tease my mom all the time. I'm like, is that really the name you thought would work for me? Did you ever see me as an adult? And she's like, no, I didn't. You were just, Did I? <laughs> that was it. I'm like, great, thanks. <laughs> um, I have been in the people strategy, <clears throat> excuse me, and talent acquisition world for my entire career, which mm. is, you know, probably longer than many of the viewers are even old at this point. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a quick shout out to my sponsor, Bright Hire. The old way of hiring just doesn't cut it anymore, and my friends at Bright Hire are here to help. Bright Hire is a leading interview intelligence platform for improving quality of hire at talent-first companies. Their technology records and transcribes interviews and creates a set of highlights you can revisit and share to streamline the process, improve the candidate experience, and give teams better information to make the best possible hiring decisions. If you're looking to improve your quality of hire and reduce bias in your hiring process, visit brighthire.com today and let them know Joel sent you. Now back to the episode. Thanks again. 
Um, and I've held almost every role within the people space up to CHRO. And about three years ago, I launched my own company. And so these days I do lots of different things. I uh, do fractional CHRO work for small to mid-sized organizations. I coach and mentor both HR professionals as well as other leaders and executives. Um, and I launched The Executive Woman, which is a podcast and a newsletter specifically focusing on resources, support, and community for women who work, um, especially executive women and those who aspire to be. So I have my hands in lots of different things. I do a lot of leadership training and development, a lot of culture work and values, um, So and keynote speaking. So you name it, it's kind of all part of what I do. See, we were talking before the show and about, you know, this whole sponsorship idea and like how you can make connections with sponsorships. Well, we're going to have to trade because I'm happy to share some of that info, but I want to know how you handle everything you got going on because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to, to work on. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious, like, how did you get started in kind of the people HR TA space? Like what, how, how did you get your start? It was not intentional. Um, which I know really frustrates people, um, but you have to understand it was a long time ago and mm. it was a very different world back then. So I went to school, finished school, and um, I was a vocal performance major. And so singing and performing have, was my life. And that's what I did, musical theater, kind of Broadway style, light opera. <clears throat> and when I was done with that, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I don't have a lot of regret in my life. The one regret I do have is that I didn't pursue a career on Broadway. That's what my heart and soul always wanted to do. But Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Recruiting is No Joke. I wanted to give a shout out to Teal. Teal is an all-in-one job search platform that provides job seekers with an integrated resume builder, job tracker, LinkedIn optimization, contact management, and many more tools. Their new features include GPT-powered AI functionality to help run an effective job search. Over 200,000 people have trusted Teal to land their next job. Install their Chrome extension and get started for free at www.tealhq.com. That's www.tealhq.com. Thanks so much for listening and appreciate your support. Going to New York as, you know, a young 20-something person who didn't know anybody just freaked me out. I didn't have the courage or the tenacity then that I have today. Um, so I was kind of at a loss of what do I do? So I was waiting tables, bartending, doing a lot of that kind of work. And, and eventually my mom was like, um, do you think you might want to do something else? Not that there's anything wrong with that that career, um, but do you think you might want to find something else that you might find more fulfilling that's more than just a job for you? So I went into um, a recruiting agency and started going on temp assignments with the idea that maybe something would resonate with me on one of these temp assignments. And it did. I, I met with some great people, did a lot of administrative work, receptionist work, but the agency came back to me one day and said, hey, we are <laughs> expanding and we would uh, love to chat with you about joining mm -hmm. us as a recruiter 
Uh, we've gotten great feedback from all, all of the clients we've sent you to. You're always, you know, bubbly. You, you seem to connect with people, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, sure, why not? So that was literally my entrance into talent acquisition was joining this um, small family owned uh, recruiting agency. And I worked my way up and, and moved into a manager level role there. And then I was really, really fortunate to be recruited away from that into one of our largest clients, um, which is Capital One at the time. And they were building this massive campus here in Tampa with 5,000 employees and state of the art, you know, gym, cafeteria, dry cleaners on site, one of those, you know, mega campuses. And so, and that's, that's where it all started for me. And then I started expanding out of TA into HR and into people strategy, people operations, and, and all of the different elements there and just kind of grew. So I, it was not by intention, but I'm so grateful for the path that I did have and everything I was able to learn by just being open to the opportunity. Yeah, I love that. And I love that story too with the recruitment agency because that's totally how it is, right? Like I've even heard of people like interviewing really, really well with a recruitment agency. And then yeah. suddenly the recruitment agency turns around and they're like, you should be a recruiter. Um, it's, you hear that a lot, which is, uh, yes. I think it kind of, it's a challenge cause that still happens. And it's, I think it's a challenge then for people when they go, oh, I want to get into recruiting. How do I do it? And so many of us are like, well, you just kind of fall into it or an opportunity comes along. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, right now within the people space, within HR, you know, there's a, there's a lot of turbulence as well. So uh, it's not necessarily right for everybody, but I'm curious, like when you, you know, you're going down this like HR path and you're growing and, and working these people operations role, roles, did you um, always kind of foresee yourself kind of working as a consultant or like how did that come about? I didn't for a long time. Um, I was really focused on growing my career and I'm I'm not necessarily proud of this, but I'm one of those people that as soon as I get the promotion, <laughs> I'm thinking about the next one and what do I need to do to get there and mm. focusing on building that resume and that that career trajectory. So for a long time, it was the focus was for me um, learning more, growing my skill set and moving up that ladder so that I had the, you know, the credentialing and the work experience necessary to move into that C-suite role, which I was fortunate enough to do. Um, once I was there, I started thinking about, okay, I've done this. I've achieved this, this goal of mine of being in the C-suite. What's next? What, what mm. comes after that for me? And so, and, and there's a, there's a, a firm here, an HR consulting firm based here in Tampa called Living HR and the CEO, Carrie Bigelow is a friend of mine. Um, and she's just done an amazing job at building this HR consulting firm. And she started, you know, 11, 12, maybe even 15 years ago before there, it was so saturated. And I just always had so much admiration for what she built. And, and I was a client of hers when I was a CHRO. And she kind of planted the seed of, you know, there's, there's things you can do after this type of employee role. So I thought about going out on my own and I, I had in my head kind of a three to five year strategic plan to make that move. So I started getting a little bit more involved in social media and LinkedIn and doing keynote speaking here and there. Um, but it wasn't, I didn't launch my firm 
on my timeline. I, my role as CHRO was impacted during COVID. Um, in the very early stages of COVID, the organization I worked for was in the promotional products industry. And when every concert, every concert or every conference, every event around the world was canceled during COVID, that company suffered you know, dramatically. Um, there was literally no sales because nobody was buying anything because nobody was giving away anything or, you know, those types of things weren't happening. So my plan was fast forwarded very quickly to, OK, I went into work one day and left without a job. Now, what do I do? And it was in the early stages of covid. Nobody was hiring. The world was kind of spinning on its axis, not sure what was going on. So I thought, well, now's as good a time as any to jump in and figure out what I'm going to do with all of this. And so I did um, started putting myself out there, reaching out to a few of my connections. And I was really fortunate to have a company tap me, you know, this $12 billion company that just happens to be headquartered here in the Tampa Bay market <laughs> um, and said, Hey, we, we need some help um, transforming mm. our TA strategy and our TA team. And they had recently moved their headquarters here from another uh, geography and they were centralizing their entire TA function, which I've done multiple times throughout my career. And so I was, I was really, really fortunate that that worked out very quickly after I went out on my own and I worked with them for quite some time. Um, and then since then I've brought in, you know, multiple other clients and that type of thing, but I was really just so grateful that, um, you know, the power of social media, LinkedIn and connections, if you work, it really can help. hundred percent. No, I, I love that. I, and I think it's kind of relevant for people too, because I'm sure there's people out there listening right now that, you know, maybe they've been impacted with, you know, a, a riff or they're, they're laid off for whatever reason, or they're maybe looking or thinking about going into more of like a fractional role, whether it's with HR or TA. Into, you, you mentioned you were kind of preparing, like what were some of the things that you were doing to kind of prepare to launch that you think kind of made you ready for when the unexpected happened? Like you weren't completely just taken aback with like no backup plan. Like what were some of the things that you were doing beforehand to kind of prepare for that launch anyway? Yeah, um, you know, I, I started getting really active on LinkedIn. Um, and I will say that was likely the primary driver um, because of the space we're in, right? There's a lot of entrepreneurs that find great success using other social media channels like Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and Clubhouse. And Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. I was all up in Clubhouse for a while, too. Um, but for me, because of the work I do, I feel like LinkedIn is is the best platform for me yeah. to really lean into. And so I just started sharing knowledge and and ideas and, and tips and, you know, stories about my experiences. Um, and I started talking about building trust with employees, building trust with leaders, building trust with candidates. Um, and that was kind of the first series of videos I put out. And then I started doing um, job seeker tips. So I did 30 days of, of job seeker tips. Um, so really just tapping into the things that I would organically do in my role as a CHRO or as a head of TA or whatever, you know, experience I've had and just starting to share some of those 
elements with with the audience and it really resonated with people um, and started to grow my following and so that that was one of the first things i did um did i and, you, and you've got a big following now i mean i think you got what fifty thousand followers i, I yeah, think yeah, which is, yeah i mean that's that's a that is a lot i mean i think you know really anything over ten thousand if you have ten thousand think about it if you had ten thousand followers like we're used to seeing these big numbers, but on LinkedIn, if you have 10,000 followers and 5,000 of those followers are CEOs or like leaders right. at companies, it's powerful, right? It is. It yeah, is. I, I probably take 5,000 CEOs or like leaders at companies following me than, you know, dare I say like a million followers on TikTok that I don't really know who they are. So it's, yeah. uh, I think that's kind of the power you know, of, of, of LinkedIn in general, it's like the, you know, who's on the platform and obviously like you've been creating content for a long time. So you can just know that that 50,000, you know, it's, it's been organic growth. It, you've taken your time with it. You haven't been on that rush for just, Hey, I need to get to hundred thousand followers or 500,000 yeah. followers. I need to start sharing. We won't get into that, but you, you know, <laughs> it's like that organic growth is, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's great. And to have 50,000, I mean, that is a lot um, on this platform as well, the way that you built that. So, uh, and I, I guess did, even with that, like, was that something that you were like, oh yeah, like I could totally kind of build a following or was it kind of just more out of like, Hey, I just want to share value. Like, I guess, what was that driver that even started it? It was kind of both. So in my in my mind, when I started to map out like the the future business I wanted to have, and has it worked out to be that exact thing? No, but that's okay too. Um, I was at least putting something on paper, and I had a vision of creating kind of that that virtuous cycle of of a business and how one can feed into the other. And I knew mm. that tapping into the world of social media and social channels was a huge part of that. And so I wanted to build out a YouTube channel, um, my LinkedIn channel that would then feed each other and then yep. potentially bring in, you know, Instagram and, and other platforms. YouTube is not as easy to navigate as a content creator um, for me as some other platforms. and and. One of the big lessons I've learned is, and, and if any of you out there are considering, you know, launching your own business or going out on your own or even starting a side hustle, I just shared this in a post yesterday, as a matter of fact, like things I've accomplished and lessons I've learned. Um, I, have, I have been guilty or fallen prey to, I don't even know how many slick sales and marketing, Russell Brunson sales funnels, of, you know, the $97, the $27, you know, if the price point ends in a seven, it's a Russell Brunson follower of a sales funnel. Let me I just did just say that. I think it was clicks. I saw somewhere. I don't know how accurate this is, but it was like only 1% of people that join click funnels actually like make more than, I think it was like a hundred K of them, which is crazy. Yeah. And, and so I've spent a lot of money, time and energy looking at like trying to find the magic bullet of how to build the right audience and how to do this. And here's for $97, you can buy a hundred content prompts or you can do this or you can do that or marketing easy peasy. Let me just tell you, it's not easy. It's not peasy. It's not, it's none of that. Right. And 
what I have learned is that when I show up as myself with my voice, my message as authentically as I possibly can, that's the content that works. When I look at what other people are doing, because I've also been guilty of the comparison um, world, right? And I look at some people who have these massive followings, much larger than mine. And while a few of them who have huge followings also monetize them, I think of Leah Turner. She's got, she's grown this massive following, but she also engages with her following and is, is driving a very fruitful business as a result. Yep. Very few people with massive followings are actually making money and monetizing that following to your point earlier, right? They're so consumed with growing the numbers versus the quality of the connection that having large numbers, if it's not converting to sales or work or meaningful connection, then why, why do it? Right. So it's so easy to get sucked into the mentality that you just have to grow your numbers, grow your numbers, grow your numbers. So if anybody's considering going out on their own, I would say a big lesson is first identify who you are. What do you stand for? What are your top two values? Mm. What, what is important to you? Mine is authenticity and wholeheartedness, right? I love and that. that shows up for me in everything I do in every way. And sometimes it's not always great, right? Like if I'm either all in or I'm not in at all, that's the wholeheartedness part of me, right? It's It either resonates or it doesn't. I'm very black and white in some areas like that. I either like you or I don't. I can't fake a friendship. I can't do small talk. It's just not who I am. It's just not part of my DNA. So I see a lot of people starting businesses and many of them reach out to me for help. And the I always say like, why are you doing what you're doing? What do you stand for as an individual? And then how does that show up for you from a business perspective? And you and I have had some offline conversations, but there are folks out there who have confused vitriol and lots of following and, and, and kind of the sycophant type individual for a business. And it is not the same. Right. I could go out there and probably grow my following to 500,000 in a year if all I did was tap into virtue signaling and the hot topic of the day and drive people to say, yeah, you know, yeah, we're with you or we're against the man or we're this or we're that. But that's not who I am. And that's not what I want to do. So you really, really have to identify why you're doing what you're doing and what you want out of it. And then how are you going to build that business as a result? Uh, if you're doing it just for the following, then you're not in it to build a business. You're just in it for vanity or for ego. And that's not what you need when you're building a business because your ego will be crushed very quickly. I assure you, as I'm sure you have felt over time. Yeah, look, it's it's so funny because someone even asked me yesterday, I got a DM from somebody and they were like, what's been the ROI no, what's been the monetary income from content? And uh, look, you know, it's like I've started to monetize, being, being able to monetize the content over probably over the last six months. And obviously, like, there's indirect monetization, right? Like, people are aware right. of who you are. You can get higher, you know, outbound um, responses. Like, if I DM someone, they're more than likely going to respond to me. 
um, if they see how many followers I have, like there is that those types of things that do happen, but you know, it's a, it's a long game. And I think to your point, when I started, I didn't necessarily have it mapped out as, Hey, this is what I stand for. This is what I'm about. And some of that does develop, I think over time, but I think you're much better to start off from a place, like you said, of why am I doing this? What's the value? And content aside, that's what you should be doing with a business. Like, what's your mission? What's your value? Because it's going to be, if you want to be a solopreneur, fair enough, maybe you could get away with that. But I doubt it because when you meet with clients, if you don't have that vision and you don't have that core value, they're not going to buy into it. If you try and scale, if you try and scale and you try and bring people into whatever it is you're building, you don't have a clear core, core value and mission very hard to get people committed to what you're building. It's hard to even get yourself committed to what you're building. So I think to your point, like, I love that, like having those two core values, because in two, you're not overcomplicating it. You're keeping it simple. Um, but I, I think that's, it's huge. And it should be that way when you're creating content, like, what is it? What it's gotta be more than just followers or impressions or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I think that that is spot on. And I'm curious, like, you know, a lot of people right now in the TA space that I've talked to or even, the, you know, let's call it the HR space as well, the people space. Right. There are a lot of leaders right now that are looking at fractional roles. So I'm super curious from your perspective, like obviously in this fractional HR role, like what does it actually look like? And you mentioned like the small businesses that you work with. Can you give us a little bit more detail on like what those types of businesses are and then like how you're actually helping them out or how you think about this fractional role? Like, is it the same thing you're delivering each time? Is it different? Yeah. I'd love to just have some more insight on that. I think there's a couple of things and I'm actually partnering with um, Sam Eaton. I don't know if you follow Sam or not. She actually sits in the UK and she uh, provides coaching um, mm. to HR consultants and HR business owners. And she and I are partnering because I get this type of question quite a bit. Um, and I have a lot of people reaching out to me saying, how did you start? What, where do I start? What do I do? What does fractional mean? How do I get into this? And so we're, we're putting together um, some webinars to help people kind of deep dive into this, but I'll try to high is level. It, is it a $97 webinar though. you know i think it might be 97 dollars <laughs> and 77 cents because i'm leaning all the way into that seven um <laughs> so there's a couple things to think about and i wish i had realized this you know three years ago when i started and for anybody watching um if you currently work in the hr or people space even in in ta we are conditioned to live in a scarcity mentality, right? We're always the last function to get funding. We're the first function to have funding cut because it's all considered fluff, right? It's people stuff. It's easy. It's anybody can do it. You don't need huge investments. If you're in HR, you just organically know how to lead and all of these things that are complete BS and misconceptions, but that is the way a lot of organizations work. So when you have a 25-year career in this space and then you launch a business, I was still very stuck in that scarcity mindset, that scarcity mentality. And so I wasn't thinking big enough. I wasn't thinking about organizations that 
are willing to invest into what I have to offer. And so I was very much like nickel and diming myself, um, mm. not recognizing the value that I bring. Cause I was thinking, okay, if I go in and I deliver a facilitation session for three hours, what's three hours of my time worth, but it's not the three hours they're paying for. Right. And, and there's stories all over social media and, and memes and stuff. They're not paying you for the three hours it takes to deliver that. What they're paying me for is the 25 years of experience I have to be able to create the content to deliver and then know how to effectively deliver it so that those leaders absorb the messaging. Right. So I wasn't thinking about any of that. So first, identify your value is huge and and what it is you have to offer and check your mindset often. Because if you are living in that scarcity, traditional HR mindset of why would anybody pay me for this, nobody's going to pay you for it. So that that is definitely a huge part of, of reframing the world if you get into this. I love that. I, I think another thing is to really, again, find your authentic voice. Don't go out there and it's fine to look at what other people are doing for sure. That's how we learn and grow. And there's always nuggets that we can take away, but don't try to go out and be someone else, be who you are. There's space enough for all of us and people are going to be drawn to you because of who you are. And somebody's going to come to me because something I say or do resonates with them. And if it's not something that I can sustain and replicate over time, then it's not going to ever be a business. It's going to be a one-off and more like a hobby. So you mm. really have to figure out who you are and show up that way over and over and over again. Um, I think another thing is to recognize that you can't do everything yourself. Um, I've tried it and I have failed many times. Um, I am not an accountant. I'm not a bookkeeper. I don't even understand how QuickBooks Online works. All I know how to do is create invoices. I don't know how to reconcile. <laughs> not a bad thing to know how to create. Yeah, right? That's the only thing. <laughs> so I, I was trying to figure out how to do everything myself because I was so afraid of spending a penny because I didn't know when the next client was coming in or I didn't know how to do this. And I ended up costing myself a whole lot of aggravation, frustration, and money because I was focusing on things that were not in my zone of genius, which was taking so much time away from the things that I do know how to do and helping me to push that content out or, or connect with those clients. So finding a team of people who can support you where you need it is really, really important. So if you don't understand bookkeeping and accounting, find someone who does. And it doesn't mean you have to hire them full time, right? You can hire them kind of as needed. Um, if you need help with understanding SEO, because you have a new website, find somebody who's that, who has that level of expertise. Don't waste your money on a $97 course. That's going to lie to you and tell you that, you know, that if you take this course, you can do your own search engine optimization because it's bull. It's not true. 
there are experts for reasons. So finding your tribe, your team of people who can support you is so important. Yeah, that's huge. To your other question, what is fractional? I think fractional is where you are in the role, whether you're fractional CHRO, CPO, CFO, HR manager, whatever the fractional role is, you are, it, it can be customized, right? Every client is going to want something different, but you are basically providing them the services you would provide them if you were in that role as a W-2 employee. And maybe it's for a couple of months while they're in between, like they're, they're filling a role and they have a gap while they're in the recruiting process with somebody like Joel, right? They hire Joel to find them the best CHRO out there or, you know, supply chain leader, whatever it is. And they need somebody in the interim to help from a strategic perspective, or maybe they were in the middle of implementing a new system and they just need that, that person to, to bridge the gap while they're looking for that placement. So one of the things I have found to be really helpful is I come in and I help lead them during this time of either transition or transformation. And then as I got, as I get to know the people and the culture and what's real and what's not real, right? Because a lot of companies espouse, this is who we are, here's our values, here's all this great stuff. But then when you get in there, they don't always live what they what they purport to live. Mm. So once you're there on the inside, I can then help them find that next leader. And I don't charge them for that, but I participate in the interview process. I really help vet their candidates because I've been sitting in the seat doing the work for them. So I have that hands-on experience and I have no emotion in it because they're not taking my job, right? It's not like I'm getting fired and I'm re- I'm hiring my replacement. I'm there to help them be the best organization they can be and helping them find their next person who wants to be that employee full-time from a long-term perspective. I don't want to be that. I want to be able to go in support them for however long our engagement is and then move on and do it for someone else. So you have to really understand what you want out of fractional leadership as well. Do you want a long-term engagement? And for me, long-term would be like six months to a year. Are you wanting to do it for a month or two? Do you want it to be full-time with one client or part-time for several clients? I do have a couple of small businesses. Um, where you know maybe they have 100 or 200 employees. So they're not massive, but they're big enough. And maybe they don't have the budget for a full-time C-suite leader for their people, but they know they need the strategic vision and direction to help them put the infrastructure together so they can grow into a place where they then can support having a full-time CHRO or CPO or whatever. So understanding what you can offer and what you want will help you connect with the right clients. Um, and then there are there are some uh, platforms out there that also help support folks looking for fractional work as well. Um, so there's, there's those opportunities where you can submit your information when you see the opportunity pop up. It's kind of like a job board, but it's specifically for fractional work. Very cool. What, what, what are some of like, uh, the major differences, would you say, like when you're working in-house 
let's say you're working in-house full-time compared to fractional. And now you're kind of going from in that employee relationship to, you know, it's a client consultant type relationship. Like what, what is the biggest difference in your mind? Or like what, what's, oh, what's something that, that's kind of unexpected maybe that you didn't even expect when you got into it? I am apparently a whole lot smarter now that I'm a consultant than I was when I was an employee. Hmm. I don't, you know, it's, it's really, there's an irony, to, uh, an irony to all of that to me is when, when an organization pays for a consultant, they give that consultant so much more credibility and value in many ways than they do their own in-house team. Mm. And that's, I, I think, I mean, it's great for me, but I also having been in the seat of the employee, find it a little disrespectful and frustrating because I'm no smarter now necessarily than I was when I was an employee, but my voice is held in higher esteem as a consultant than it was as an employee. And I'm not sure why it is that way other than in their minds, maybe they're paying a premium for my services. Therefore, they listen to me and what I have to say more than they would if I was an employee. Or maybe because it is typically short term, you're always in that honeymoon phase of they want to hear what I have to say they brought <laughs> for a reason. And we never get past that because, you know, my my engagements are usually six months, a year at the most. And so you're always in that positive space. And I find for me, I love transformation. I love building and that's my sweet spot. So we make a lot of changes quickly, a lot of improvements quickly, and it's really appreciated. Uh, oftentimes the companies I work with, they're kind of stuck or they just simply don't know, or they've never had an HR person. So I come in and I do what I've just always done but to them, it's like groundbreaking because they've never heard it before. So, you know, it, it definitely boosts my ego a little bit because I'm like, this isn't rocket science, y'all. This is just, <laughs> but because I'm the consultant and they've never had one, you know, I, I'm brilliant to them. So that's, that's a positive, like a little perk of it. The downside is, um, while no job offers true security, right? And I can say that only because I had been fired. I was a CHRO and thought, okay, I finally landed the job that I've always wanted and I'm doing all of this. And then I lost my job, not because of performance, but because of an outside circumstance that, you know, impacted millions around the world. So I, I always say like having a job as a W2 employee, please don't ever have that false sense of security because it could go away tomorrow. It's even more enhanced, however, as a consultant, because mm. I don't have a paycheck coming in every two weeks or every month or whatever your payroll cycle might be. So there is that that roller coaster, that feast or famine mentality that is is really can be heart wrenching at times because you don't know when your next client or your next proposal is going to be accepted or when you reach out to that potential client, if they're going to respond favorably. So I've had to learn how to, you know, budget properly, prepare for the the famine times and keep some reserves in case that next thing doesn't happen. Yeah. At the same time, I've learned a really valuable lesson. And whatever your faith-based beliefs are, or if you don't have faith at all, that's okay too. 
I personally believe that there is a universal energy out there. Some people call it God. Some people call it the universe, whatever, good, whatever you want to call it. But I believe that the universe does provide for us if we allow it to. And I, I've realized, and it's only been three years that I've been doing this, almost three years in May. Um, but I've worked myself up into like massive anxiety and panic attacks. And those close to me have been there to support me through that. And everything always works out. It always works out. And I've had to tell myself that over and over that just keep doing what you're doing because the universe meets you where you are. And if you have the right mindset and you're doing it for the right reasons and you are showing up authentically as yourself and you are genuinely concerned about what you put out there and the work you do and the results you're driving for your clients, they will come. If you're out there to exploit people and you're in it for a quick buck here and there, you're in it to grow vanity metrics, that I can't help you with. That's not sustainable and you're likely not going to build a true business from that. You might reach some notoriety or some fame on a short-term basis, but how many influencers, Joel, have you and I seen, you know, rise up and they're the greatest thing since white sliced bread. And then three months later, they're gone. <laughs> right. Uh, it happens all the time. The LinkedIn cycle in yes. particular LinkedIn, but it's, it's all, it's all across the place. Right. Cause you, like we talked about before, you can grow quickly, but I love what you said about like this execution piece as well, because this is, this is, this is the piece which like, I don't actually know how much is talked about a lot, but it's in general, followers and no followers, vanity metrics, no vanity metrics, in-house, external, there's one thing that matters and that's delivering the value, executing and doing a great job. Yeah. yeah. That will always create a security for you in terms of, hey, if I lose my job at this place, if I've done a truly great job, People are going to recommend you. You're going to have those referrals. Now, it doesn't mean that it's, again, like a silver bullet, like, oh, you lose your job and you've done a great job. Like, boom, I can find a job. But right. if you've truly done a great job and people recognize that, it's a lot easier when you start reaching out to people. Um, and again, like you said, like the hard work as well, like just putting in the hard work for clients, genuinely caring about them, not mm -hmm. talked about as much either. And it's not, you know, there's a lot more of an emphasis on like the, building the followers, getting the affiliate links or whatever it is, you know, like just getting that, getting success quickly. So uh, it's just great. It's um, I'm, I'm curious, like what, and we talked about this a little bit offline, like, um, you know, when it comes to some of these things that you said were kind of like basic or like not rocket science, I mean, like, what are some of those things? Cause again, like I think in HR and TA, we just think, Hey, we do this stuff all the time. This stuff is easy or it's like, this is basic. Yes. Um, but when you get out there, what are some of the things that you found where you're like, I can't believe that this isn't. You know, so it's really, knowledge. I love that you brought this up. Um, I was watching a video years ago and it, it just popped into my head the other day. And I'm like, that's what they meant. When you're in your zone of genius, when you're doing something that is natural to you and is a strength of yours and you love doing it, it does feel easy. And this was a hurdle I had to get over because to me, I kept saying, why would people pay me to tell them how to write a job posting 
or to educate. So one of my programs is I, I go into organizations of all sizes and I facilitate interview training for their people mm -hmm. leaders, right? Because, you know, I know you know this. How many times have you submitted an amazing candidate to a client and the interviewer is very superficial? They're looking at credentials only. They're looking at industry only. They're not understanding transferable skills or value-based leadership or any of the things that actually matter to, to someone's success. And they decline the candidate. It's because no one has taken the time to train that people leader on how to actually facilitate a meaningful interview. Mm -hmm. And what's the difference between the how and the what? So, you know, and this is what I've done for my entire career. We focus on the what, the credentials. Where did they go to school? What was their GPA? What was their internship? Did they work for one of the big four? Versus how do they connect, collaborate, communicate? take risks, own mistakes, whatever it is, because it's the how we execute our work that actually matters. The other stuff anybody can do. And technical skills are obsolete in two and a half to five years. So understanding that just because it, be, it comes easy to you, like that interview training comes very easy to me because it's what I've done throughout my whole career, doesn't mean it doesn't have value. And that was a hard lesson for me. I had to step back and my wife was really helpful with this for me because I kept saying, what do I have to say that people haven't heard a million times before? What do I have to offer that every other HR consultant or strategist has to offer? Why, what makes me special? And it's, it's me. It's what I have to offer that resonates with that particular client group. It's not that I'm the most amazing person in the world who knows how to do this. Lots of people know how to do what I do. But for whatever reason, my take on it, my ability to present it in a way that connects with them is why they're hiring me. So just because something comes easy to you does not mean it's not valuable. And that was a, a huge light bulb moment for me. Um, it would, you know, I couldn't go and be a, a, a ski instructor because that doesn't come easy to me. But if you've been <laughs> skiing your whole life exactly. and you go to a ski resort and start teaching people how to ski and you start making money at it, you might question yourself like, this is so easy. Why, why are people paying me to do this? Because that's, you've always done it, but there's value to that because it's organically who you are and what you do. So I had to reframe a lot of that for myself because when it comes easy to me, I think, well, if I can do it, anybody can do it. That's not the case, right? Just like accounting, like I said, I could never be an accountant. I will basically pay my accountant whatever they tell me because I know I can't do that. That's not my zone of genius. So the value of in what they do is exponential to me. Whereas to them, they could probably do it with their eyes closed because that's their zone of genius. So understanding when you go out on your own, there you can monetize a lot of what you do, even if it comes easy to you, as long as the, the client values it. And that's the other lesson for me is that when you do create content, when you do create your marketing messages, or if you're putting a brochure together or a flyer, make sure you're putting it together based on what your clients need, not necessarily what you 
perceive. And there's a big difference there. And it took me a while to learn this lesson. Um, when I first started creating content, I would often go out with, if you're doing this, you're doing it wrong. You need to do it this way. And I was scolding people a lot about HR community. You guys suck because you're not customer centric. And if you're not doing this, you're doing it wrong. And I had someone who I value a lot say to me, you know, you're likely not going to attract clients if all you're doing is telling them that they're wrong all the time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> so I had to shift that messaging a little bit and say, okay, what do they need from me that I can mm. offer them? How can I help them solve problems? So I just shifted my approach into, if you're experiencing this, here's a way you might want to think about it or reframe this, or here's something that worked for me and building those relationships in a way that you're offering help versus beating people down all the time. Cause nobody wants to be told they're wrong all the time. And, and I've seen other content creators going down that path of, if you're not doing this, you're, you're wrong, or you're never going to do this. Well, people just scroll right through that because why would they want to engage with somebody who's going to beat them up all the time? They want to engage with people who are going to provide them with something that can help them or see something differently. So that mm -hmm. was also another big lesson that I've learned. Yeah. You're making me think a lot now about my own content, but, um, yeah, no, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. It's, uh, and I've seen that a lot too. And I think in fact, what can actually happen, which I think is even worse is you can, kind of point out those wrong things and then you get a lot of people kind of siding with you oh yeah so then you feel like oh yeah the word's getting out but um that can give us false sense of like are you actually reaching and are you bringing value to the people who need to bring value around so uh yeah. no I, I i love that well i know we've got to uh i've got to hop here but i feel like i've just gotten like a master class or clinic on just like fractional HR, but then like being a business owner mindset. Um, and I, I think a lot of this is things that people are thinking about, but also I do think it's kind of the way of the future when it comes to work, yeah. uh, particularly in like the TA and people space, because we've just seen these brutal layoffs. Right. And so yeah. I know I, I can count um, about 20 recruiters in my head right now who, who have started their own agencies, for example. So if they're listening, I think a conversation like this is just extremely helpful um, mindset, execution, how you think about the value you're bringing. It's massive. So, um, you mentioned these webinars. I know you've got other, um, offerings as well. Like where is the best place for people to find out about you? Like, where should they go? So obviously LinkedIn, I'm there. <laughs> I'm, I'm there every day. Um, my website and my emails out there. So if anybody has a question, um, you can just go to my profile on my contact information, my email, it comes directly to me. I answer all my own emails. Um, you're certainly welcome to, to reach me there. Um, I am, I also have a newsletter, the executive woman and the executive woman podcast, which is, um, available on Spotify. It's available on all the platforms, but I just learned this morning that some of the links aren't working. I do know that you can find it on Spotify. The executive. You know what? I've, I've got the same thing problem too with I, it's iTunes. I, I don't know what's up. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I do have a marketing company I'm working with and they've been helping me with my website and they're, they, they put all the icons, you know, for the different podcast uh, distributors and they're like, none of these links are working except for Spotify. So I, I don't know what, what's broken, but I have to figure that out. So, um, so I would love anybody who wants to follow me there, sign up for my newsletter, listen to the podcast. If you listen to it, please, please 
subscribe and rate it. I'm also learning that if you don't get ratings, they're not going to push it up to the top. So the ratings are huge. Didn't know that either. Yeah. Rate my podcast too. No, just kidding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> for sure. For sure. No, I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with us. And thank you everybody for engaging as well. I know. I wish I knew who LinkedIn user was. That's just a privacy setting. That's not your fault. Oh, but, I know. Um, it's because it's third party through StreamYard. I think we go through this every time. But Giannis, thank you. Sean, uh, we have... Um, Oh, I'm looking. Uh, yes. Thank you, everybody. Tinu, Ryan, Sandra, Lena, Aaron. Great to see everybody. And appreciate, again, our sponsors, both of them. But Barbie, I really appreciate your time. Looking forward to uh, getting into your podcast as well, as well some more. But then also uh, really excited about these webinars you're putting together. I think uh, I am probably going to check those out as well. And then, guys, if you want to reach out to Barbie, what I always say is she's got 50,000 followers. So, it's, you know, if you send her a connection request or a DM, just be patient. Obviously, got a lot of stuff going on. But then always just say, hey, I heard you on Joel's show, just so uh, yes. she knows. And, uh, and then, guys, if you have any other questions for myself or Barbie that you didn't get answered, feel free to DM myself as well. And uh, I will be back next week with another guest, uh, probably at our usual time, which is Wednesday uh, 2 p.m. Central. And uh, if you are looking to be a guest as well, I've got some upcoming openings in the next couple of months, uh, probably in that June, July zone as well. So looking forward to uh, rolling that out, but also open the guests. So I appreciate it, Barbie. Great to have you here. And I'm glad we were able to have this chat. Me and, too. Uh, yeah, we'll talk again, hopefully in the near future. I would love that. You have a great audience, so I love all the engagement. So I know this. I love the live show because you can. You yes. Can, See, you can I love. I used to do a LinkedIn live every week as well. The downside for me is I could never figure out my metrics mm. because it was there was no way for me to really capture it. When so when I was looking for sponsors, they'd be like, "Well, how many people watch?" And I'm like, "I don't know because it doesn't mm. tell me." So if you have figured that one out, then we definitely need to talk offline because. I love doing the live, but I could never figure out how to show how many people were watching. Yeah. So. Well, I'm happy to, happy to sit down and uh, awesome guys. Well, I will. Uh, I'll see everybody later, and then Barbie, I will talk to you later. As All well. right. Thanks, All everybody. Right. Bye, bye, guys.